there in crypto land. This is Nathan from BitMart. And we're back with another episode of BitMart Bytes with my colleague, as always, my esteemed colleague, Matt Ryan. We're calling this one four for more. Hit the floor, roll it up, because taking it out the door. Wow, I just came up with that off the top of my head. Matt. And I'm going to have to write that now. And yeah, I hate well, you for it. <laughs> Matt, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm uh, tired, bro. I'm exhausted. What do you it think is, I'm drinking here? What do you think I'm drinking here? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm caffeinated out the tuchus today. Um, had an issue with street construction, which is always fun. New York is always under construction, as Keith Olbermann uh, dad said, New York would be a great city once they finish it. So <laughs> I like was, that. we're, we're dealing with construction on my street and much like a lot of people in the pandemic, uh, and a lot of people who just work from home. Now I have my groceries delivered. to me. Oh, and we had to move the recording of the show around that fact. We recorded this a little later than we usually do. And the it was a whole kerfuffle. I I had to, I my it was a whole thing. But luckily my groceries are here. We're doing bitmart bites. I can bite down on some food after this. And we've got some really good stories this week, Nathan. Well, Matt, if it makes you feel better, I'm in between apartments right now, and Denver is a big street sweeping city. And if you're on the wrong side of the street, oh no, on the wrong day, fifty dollar ticket. So. Oof. That's nice. It's always a nice yellow envelope. You know, I love the city of Denver to death, so I don't even fault them. I was in the wrong there, but hey, I get it. I feel your pain here. So it's a it's a day of it's a day of hey, let's kind of relax, dig into stuff, have some fun. If you listen to our episode last week, uh, my slam poetry album, Too Many Williamsburgs, um, <laughs> that's actually been delayed as well, uh, probably about a year or so. And the NFT collection, I don't think is happening, but I don't know. It's that's funny because I was tragedy. That's I was dri- tragedy. I was driving around, and now every time I see the term Williamsburg, I'm instantly thinking of that. I say this having never even been to the real Williamsburg or Colonial Williamsburg, but that's besides the point, Matt. That's besides the point. I think we need to dig into the headlines right now, dig into the show, and I will be so kind as to start us off because my headline is kind of international. It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit less interesting than yours, I think, but I think it bears relevance, okay? Nigeria, <coughs> according to Google search terms, and analytics data they can look at online, Nigeria is the most crypto-obsessed nation, even in this bear market. That's what the report says. I find this interesting, too, because our good friend Kalichi is Nigerian, and I asked him about this. I said, Kalichi, how crypto-obsessed is Nigeria? And he said, oh, they're pretty obsessed. There's a whole host of reasons that go into it, but I thought that this was kind of fascinating because... Nigeria is obviously a developing country. It's in Africa. You wouldn't think, it wouldn't be obvious that it was like, it has the highest, some of the highest rates of crypto adoption and more people know about crypto than anywhere else. It's just fascinating to me that when you compare it to Europe, United States, Japan, anywhere else that you might think of that would be super into this tech, nope, Nigeria comes up first. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's a big question to what's the use case for crypto in developing nations? I know that's a huge advantage that a lot of people talk about utilizing crypto and NFTs 
for developing nations for nations to where you can't really establish banking like traditional banking doesn't exist in some of these countries and cre- and we talk about it a lot on this show and we brought it up on uh the bitmark brain trust especially when we had doug smith on about these different use cases and the different ways that countries and different parts of the united states that are going through economic hardship can really utilize crypto and utilize nfts as a weapon to combat poverty unemployment lack of resources lack of funding and i think that more institutional investors should be utilizing crypto as a way to build investment in these developing nations and use this as a potential growth. There's a craven aspect to it. There's a potential for scam aspect to it. But we're always looking at the altruistic variations of use cases. We're not trying to be doom and gloom here on BitMart Bytes. It's really hard to be doom and gloom with a catchy name like BitMart Bytes. (laughs) It really is because it almost feels like after discussing the news or after talking about these headlines, really people should be like wondering about when our next cupcake drop is going to be like going on or something like that. Like some sort of like, I don't know, it, it seems like we'd have like a food delivery service, but I, I still like the name. To, to, to finish this headline here, Matt, the reason why crypto adoption is so big in Nigeria, and I know that we're focusing on the altruistic intentions here, but it's because that by any objective measure, the government is incredibly corrupt and the currency in Nigeria um, significantly loses value depending on the week, month, day on a whole host of factors. I believe it's called the NARA, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And like I said, we kind of have a unique insight into this because one of our team members is literally Nigerian, still talks to his family back there, and I've been able to talk to him about it. So while the government may be able to cheat you, corrupt, things like that, it's harder to do that on the stablecoin blockchain. You certainly can't do it on Bitcoin. Many, many people have tried. But speaking of corruption, speaking of stealing things, the next headline, Matt, also you've got that kind of deals with that. Yes, skullduggery and Tom Fuluya abound. The GameStop NFT marketplace this story brought to you on the non-fungible news last week. And we talked about the GameStop NFT marketplace a few times on the NFN. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was regarding a controversial photo that was stolen uh, for the GameStop NFT marketplace, which featured an image during the September 11th terrorist attack. Uh, this time, it's an attack of a different kind. It is theft, straight up robbery of various NFT games. This coming to us from... Modic, uh, biz and the, the link and all the information are available to you in the show notes. GameStop's NFT marketplace was once again used for ill purposes, says the article, this time for unauthorized sales of indie games. And this is coming with a user named Nathan Ello, who created the nifty arcade. I will say this, Nathan, <laughs> he has your he has your panache for naming things. I will say that. <laughs> I will give you that. I'll give him the credit for that but it included a number of indie games that he didn't have the permission to distribute. So he basically bootlegged a bunch of games like he was your cousin using an illegal Dreamcast in the early 2000s. And he ended up earning around 8.4 ETH, which is around 14,000 USD. And while I would very much like $14,000 in my bank account, not that I don't think the juice is necessarily worth the squeeze here, especially if Ello is claiming he's going to make restitution 
to the owner, to the original owners of these games, I, I don't see him giving the money back. I, I don't, you know, uh, altruism is our goal here, but it's not the goal of other people. So I'm very hesitant to think that this uh, Trello fella, Nathan Ello, pardon me, uh, is going to be giving back that 14, well, giving back portions of that 14,000 to the game makers he hijacked and bootlegged. Let me tell you this, Matt. If I'm going to risk my life, liberty, and reputation, no way I even get out of bed for less than 50K. So that was his first mistake, okay? The juice is most definitely not worth the squeeze. Second of all, my huge problem with this is there are not a lot of Nathans, Nates, or Nathaniels in the world, and I'm always trying to give us a good name, okay, <laughs> right? That's, that's from psychology, right, where you associate the first person or the second person you met with a name uh, with other people, fairly or unfairly, that have the same name. So I've been lucky to meet a lot of great Nates and Nathans in the world, and this guy, I'm, you know, I'm looking straight into the camera here. You really got to step it up, okay? This is a very, very tenuous brand that I'm trying to keep together. Um, third, I don't know. You know, maybe this is on par for GameStop. GameStop seems to be, uh, I'm not a huge gamer, but my brother is more of the gamer. It kind of seems like GameStop, after the whole stock fiasco, you know, their business model, like they've been on the decline for so long. And I feel like their latest entry into NFTs uh, was also probably poorly planned. So while I certainly can't endorse or uh, tell people to commit crimes, I would say to GameStop, maybe this wouldn't have happened if you, uh, I don't know, had gone a little bit slower with rolling out this stuff. Because it probably seems like this Nathan guy, you know, to his credit, Nathans are usually decently intelligent. He saw the exploit and he took it. But I, I can't agree with it. Not, not less than 50K. Come on. What are you doing? That's fair. That's a fair one. And when it comes to different options uh, in terms of NFT marketplaces, we obviously have the BitMart NFT marketplace. GameStop, for me, is an odd choice to get NFTs from because as someone who's purchased a ton of video games from GameStop and traded a bunch of games to GameStop, one, gets you, one yields a lot of money, one costs you, one doesn't yield you that much, to be completely honest. You, you trade back a game... That's not that old. You get like 60 cents and maybe a Pac-Man piece. But, you, you know, we move on here with our second story, uh, or your second story. This time we are going back into the world of Ethereum and uh, something going on involving Tornado Cash. This is fascinating. If you, if you, first of all, if you just don't know what Tornado Cash is, it's an Ethereum mixer where you can essentially send Ethereum to it. it. It tumbles it around kind of like a digital laundry machine, and then it pulls out Ethereum to send to somebody else so they can't figure out where it came from. Um, these mixing services have existed since cryptocurrency was invented. They've always been highly suspect uh, because they, it's, really, it's really difficult to not say that they're enabling money laundering. Um, but yeah, so this that's mixer what it sounds like it is. It's you, it's you're, so you're, it's you're washing the money and sending it to various sources for it to come back to you. Now, I can't say that's money laundering. We sure. cannot say that that's money laundering. But if you know Jeff Foxworthy's jokes or the <laughs> walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, uh, you know, metaphor. Sure. Yeah. Yet again, no, I mean, this is just my opinion. My <laughs> opinions are not those of BitMarts. And Matt, you, 
You're you're 99% correct. It would be very, it's usually very hard to argue the contrary. I'm arguing the 1% here to where, you know, hey, if you're not doing anything wrong and you just want to send it anonymously to somebody, it's technically not money laundering. So that's kind of where these mixtures, they've always been on the fringes of the crypto community and they're always technological innovations and leaps trying to make them better, um, get them banned, all that. What you need to know about this is Tornado Cash is under so much scrutiny that actually the U.S. government has made it illegal for U.S. citizens to even touch Tornado Cash. If you log on to the Tornado Cash website, if you send them money, you will be sanctioned by the U.S. government. That's how closely they're paying attention to this. However, because Tornado Cash is just technology like Bitcoin or Ethereum or you know, Wi-Fi or something like that, it's kind of hard to stop it once it's been turned on, right? It's, this is kind of similar to trying to shut down the internet. So what somebody did, kind of an evil genius sort of prankster to illustrate this point is they obviously had a decent amount of ETH. There are celebrities that have public Ethereum addresses and this person has been putting Ethereum into Tornado Cash and sending it in teensy tiny amounts to people like Jimmy Fallon, Kanye West, um, all sorts of celebrities. There's a huge list if you look at the article. And the point that it seems that they're trying to make is, hey, you can do whatever you want to, but you can't kind of stop cryptocurrency and the technology from doing what it does. And the reason why this is also important is the regulations around Tornado Cash from the US government now say that if you receive anything from Tornado Cash, right, which you can't stop, you can't stop people from sending you stuff, you are also sanctioned. So they're kind of making a, absurdist sort of prank where they are getting all these celebrities involved in Tornado Cash who obviously have no idea what's going on and making them like a part of this huge lawsuit. It's very odd and very fascinating at the exact same time. At what point are you trolling yourself in a situation like that? Like, like I get the Dadaist statement of it all. I'm a big fan of, you know, Duchamp, you know, Duchamp and uh, some of the, the outsider art and, you know, I'm a Hunter S. Thompson guy, so anytime someone works pe rich people, I, I laugh a little bit. But when it comes to doing this, like you're, you're, spending, you're spending the money to pull off the troll and you're not getting anything in return. As someone who understands lol cowrie uh, and, the, and the old internet, the olden days of the internet, um, I've seen my fair share of, of trolling like this, and it... it it always makes me wonder, what are you getting out of this? I get you're proving a point, but when it all falls down, like Kanye West said, who are you going to call now? And you know who I want to call? I want to call Tom Brady because he's got a lot of money, Nathan, and he also is a board ape that has decreased in value significantly. How will he eat? How will he eat? I don't know, you know, you, have, you know, it's either his $10 million a year football contract or his, you know, $35 million ungodly deal with Fox that hasn't really kicked in yet. But Tom Brady in April bought a board ape. And at the time, the, uh, the value of the ape was 133 ETH. The value of the board ape in terms of ETH has not changed. It remains 133 ETH. This story coming to us from Business Insider, but the purchase price at the time in USD, in hard fiat currency, was $430,000. But in that time, Nathan, the value has plummeted 
to where it is now worth $235,436. The NFT he owns is board eight number 3667. An offer right now is out on this as per the publishing of this article of 77 ETH or $136,034.31, meaning the value of it has dropped over 68%. And yeah, this is one of those, oh, well, this is a way to get Tom Brady in the news and it's NFL preseason time. And he's probably marching back to the NFC championship game with adding Julio Jones and uh, a whole bunch of great players on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But to be completely honest, Nathan, like that's got to hurt. If, if it happened to us, we'd be destitute. We would be like the Duke brothers in, uh, in coming to America, just sitting outside the <laughs> restaurant, just hoping someone gives us some change. But for Tom Brady, it, it's a drop in the bucket in theory. And he's someone who's all in on crypto. Him, him and his wife, Giselle Bunchen, uh own a piece of FTX. And they're very, very into, he also owns a piece of Autograph, which is a major NFT platform that features a ton of celebrities and athletes such as himself. So this is, I guess, a break in the game for him. You're not going to win every time. You're you know, not guaranteed for your investment to pay off or pay off in the way you would want it to. And, you know, they say by the dip, he bought at a high. What What's your take on this as someone who's more NFT and crypto inclined than Sure. Yeah. I think this actually brings up a really, really excellent rule of finance, which if you um, if you don't know this by now, I'm, I'm happy to, to tell it to you. So in a perfect world, we'd all only invest with money that we uh, could afford to lose. And you assume that that money is it's gone. It's like it's like putting money in a savings account or spending money um, on something that you need. It's just it's gone. But in your mind, it's it's invested. If your investment goes up or down, you do not gain or lose anything until you part with that investment. I'm sure that Tom Brady knows this. He has either, you know, he's old enough now. I think he's in his 40s. He's like 45. He's old enough now to have seen the stock market do this. Uh, he's old enough to have purchased multiple homes and see them go up and down in value. You know, you never lose until you sell. The, the most famous example of this right now that people go crazy over is Michael Saylor, is down um it's a, just shy of a billion dollars on in on btc but he hasn't sold that so he technically has not lost any money yet it's it, these are paper losses to him it definitely does hurt to open up your portfolio no matter what it's composed of and see oh hey i'm not as wealthy as i used to be but the market just like uh just like wounds heals with time and if it doesn't we have much bigger problems to worry about than a board ape declining in value. That's what I always tell people when they're, when they're scared of market volatility. They say, well, what if it goes down and it stays down? Then you're not going to be worrying about stocks or crypto. You're going to be worrying about clean water. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's just the truth, right? It's like I understand the fear, but it's, if the stock market goes down, crypto market goes down and it stays down, don't even worry about it. You'll have way, way bigger problems to worry about. But yeah. moving on from there, I mean, Tom Brady, he'll be fine, right? He, <laughs> he'll be fine. He's a quarterback and a half. Speaking of people not liking to lose money, uh, this next story up is about the Celsius community 
rallying to try and do another short squeeze. Now, if you know anything about Celsius, Matt, they're basically, along with Luna, when, when Luna collapsed in May, anybody that had exposure to Luna or was lending out crypto for money basically also collapsed. You have Celsius is the most prominent example, but you had Three Arrows Capital, you had Vault. I, I think the list is like easily a dozen, maybe 20 companies now. Probably the majority of them are going out of business, as they should, because they did malinvestments. But um, the thing that really hurts with Celsius is that not only um, are, are they probably going to fail, they recently had a ruling where their lawyers said that anybody who deposited crypto in their platform, similar to when you deposit money in a bank, they gave up legal rights to that asset. And so people are furious about that. And I say rightly so. So they are trying to do what is called a short squeeze with Celsius's token, CEL, um, to try and liquidate and get all the people out that are shorting it because everybody thinks that it's going to go down so that the price pumps back up. Now, what do they have to gain from this? I'm not sure. I think this is actually one of those situations where people are, they've lost their money, they're desperate, and now they just kind of, they kind of just want to get like some of their autonomy and power back. And this is a kind of clever way to do this. You sort of saw this with the GameStop stuff and the AMC stuff uh, about a year ago. And this is essentially kind of just the crypto version of that. I, I get it to a point. I get the idea of trying to run that same playbook, but after a while, these things fall off. AMC, in my opinion, was the only one of those stocks that really rebounded, and that was due to the fact that cities were opening up again, more people were going back to the theaters, and people were making an active investment in going to the movie theater. I think with, with Celsius, with some of these, with these currencies, you have the opportunity to do that, but I think the, the scene is so fragmented and everything is so tribal right now in terms of what currencies or what platforms or like it's turning into what politics turned into over the last 20 years to where you're picking sides. You are, you are choosing a team. It's becoming sports. You are on team Celsius. You're on team Doge. You're on team Lovely. You're on team such and such. And people view these coins they own it it'd be like saying i'm on team usd and and that to me like if i was like i'm a big dollar guy that would be <laughs> that's a silly that's a silly thing to say in my like when you look at it outside of the prism outside of the bubble of the industry we're in the the fanaticism of specific coins doesn't make sense to me because these are investments but i have never in my investing life, outside of companies I actually own and properties that I have a stake, a, a very vested interest in, would be such an evangelist for. And it feels like, you know, cryptocurrency and things like that, for some people are becoming like their hometown team. And we see that with like websites and social media and like specific fandoms. Like this is just, I think it's a mutation of that, and it could be, you know, people just trying to make the most out of their investment, but I, it feels like we're seeing more zealotry in oh, the yeah. crypto space, yeah. and I'm not sure how I feel. Well, it's interesting, too, because I think a lot of these people 
they were burned by Celsius and they don't like that it's closing down. They don't like the thing that happened. I totally understand that. I, I think me personally, philosophically, um, at a certain point, I just, I accept losses and I accept that either I made a bad decision or I got screwed. And at some point you kind of like, you're, you're just like, I just want to move on. Right. I just want to move on, do something else with my life. So it seems like there's a rabid group of people here that they don't want to move on. Maybe this is similar to the guy who is trolling the celebrities with a theory. And you say, what does he get out of it? I, I don't know. That's an interesting question. That could probably be an entire podcast in itself. It's, I guess, people that, you know, this is, this is just their way to, to make sense out of a bad thing that happened to them. But I, I think I agree with you. And I, I would probably move on after this. Of course, we're ending this story on a negative note, but we're going into an extremely positive, wacky, and just straight up weird story. Matt, I'm not going to say any more than that. I, I, you're going to make me say the words dick butt again, aren't you? Uh, this is coming to us from Decrypt. Uh, Ethereum NFT surged 690% in daily sales volume for crypto dick butts. The floor price of Series 3 crypto dick butts climbed as a prominent influencer shilled their dick butt bags and placed the CDP community. Daily trading volume for the Ethereum-based NFT on OpenSea is up at 690%. As of the writing of this article, this comes to us from the August 7th edition of Decrypt, uh, and th which is up to 290 ETH, roughly $495,000, putting it in the top 10, number six, as of the publishing of this article. Above projects like Goblin Town, Cool Cats, and Art Blocks, volume is up, Nathan, 135% week over week for this NFT. And if you don't know what dick butts are, they started out by uh, comic book artist Casey Green in 2006. They became a part of internet culture and have been memed on platforms like Reddit. A 161 Ethereum NFT collection was dropped in March of 2021 and then was followed up with a series of three NFTs in August of last year with 5,200 of them. Right now, the floor is about three ETH for Series 3, just about $5,100, which is up 31% in the last few days. The highest floor price it has ever been. It has gone up 163 in the past month, Nathan. It is a great time to love dick butts. I mean, how could you not love a series called Dick Butts? And if you, <laughs> if you don't, like that sounds like something straight out of 90s alternative avant-garde Seattle humor or something like that. It sounds like a band, I, like I'm going to see the Butthole Surfers and yep. you know, Dick mm -hmm. Butts are opening tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Violent Femmes. Like, <laughs> and as someone who loves that music, who grew up listening and being a huge fan of bands like the Butthole Surfers and Violent Femmes and things like that, this just, this is on brand for me. And when I found this story, in fifth, next month is my 15th anniversary of speaking into a microphone in wow. some fashion of broadcasting. Whoa. And I can say I've peaked. I have an Associated Press Award. I've appeared on national television. I have done a litany of things. I have called championship games in a variety of sports. And I have also, you know, done a lot of things in my career. But being able to get paid money to say the words dick butt and not either not be bleeped or 
have it no be way. taken seriously is kind of the dream for first of all i would never ever bleep you because that's just straight up censorship and uh i i just i can't get behind that second of all it's a legitimate art project i mean crypto community claims to be all freedom pro art you know all that stuff like that you can't not have a project that looks and is composed like dick butts once again go and look at the images here's what i'm more so fascinated by one i'm fascinated that a collection as weird and wacky as this could take off because it kind of gives me hope that uh, art is not dying and that people still like wacky weird stuff so it is also it's right up my alley in the fact that it's just it's it's absurd and i love absurdist stuff it's just absolutely absurd so i love the fact that something absurd can have value like that the second thing that i think is hilarious is the price surge is so big that like i'm sure people are almost thinking of this as like an alternative to bayc or they, they want to hold it as a long-term investment and i'm just cracking up thinking about somebody 70 years from now who's like a grandpa and they're talking to their kids and they're just like oh grandpa like what's in your will and like it's all going to be digital by then he's like well i got one of the original dick butts and they're just like oh my god it's, it's series 14 <laughs> and, you know and just having a somebody will have a dick butt as a part of their family estate or trust as long as it keeps value and that makes me smile we may witness a world to where there's a true crime series about someone being killed for their dick butts. How could let's, there let's, not be? How could there not on be? that for a second? Let's meditate on that fact for a second. That, that there's an entire plausible scenario to where there's a streaming service that does a true crime documentary series about the death of a human being over their dick butt and the hunt to find the killer. The dick butt murders. The DBM coming soon to whatever streamer that wants to give us money we've put it out there into the cultural unconscious now we just i'm gonna go to the bosses i'm gonna say you know what other these other current you know these other exchanges are starting to do like tv projects and movies let me and nathan write the dick butt murders it just i mean i guess it's like a comic too it's like a there's like a whole world around it <laughs> but the the the, the dick, dick butt universe don't you laugh at the dbu <laughs> The DBEU, the Dick Butt Extended Universe, is deeper than Marvel. What was the name of the lady who did all the British murders? Uh, Agatha Christie, is that her name? The author? Yeah. <laughs> the, the author, Agatha Christie? Or, uh, is, or... That, is, is that her that I'm getting at? I'm just, there are so many mystery writers throughout history, right? Yeah, this is Agatha, why. Well, Agatha Christie is a famous, <laughs> I don't know if we want to associate the work of the late, great Agatha Christie with crypto dick butts. I, oh, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should never be, you know, you have to exist in your time and you have to appreciate living in your time for the unique benefits and also recognize the negatives that it has. As soon as you get nostalgic and you want to live in the past or the future, you're not present. And I'm just saying that there's a lot of writers throughout history. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Mark Twain, famous American humorist. They are rolling in their graves that they were not alive to document the dick butts rise, okay? And that is all that I'll say. Now I'm just thinking of murder on the dick butt express. That's just, <laughs> that's just in my head now and I believe you. I mean, you, you, we'll get off this in, in one second, but it's like how, like, how this will be on Adult Swim, okay? This will be on Adult Swim in less than a year and there will be a, an associated NFT and it'll be hugely popular and I will have no problem with that. I love the weird and wacky art. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to associate it. If you think that it's crass, don't pay attention to it. But it's like, 
in some ways, this re represents like all the best positive aspects of crypto, art, and freedom rolled into one for me personally. So I'm, I'm okay with it, and I will never not laugh at it, as immature as that may be. I just wait. I just can't wait for the Spanish language version, uh, "Pinga culo." But uh, moving on, Nathan, what's the next story for sure. us here on Bitmore Fights? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so my last story here, and then we'll get on to your last story, Matt, is actually a pretty important one, and that is the fact that as of today, BlackRock, which is the biggest investment asset manager in the world, it has more assets under management than Vanguard, Charles Schwab, any of the brokerages you could think of. They have officially come out with a Bitcoin trust giving exposure to the Bitcoin spot price. This is a first. This essentially is telling the larger world, larger financial and political world, hey, Bitcoin is a recognized mainstream asset and the price has responded positively to this. It just kind of keeps going up even today. And this is where um, you might see once, once institutional exposure starts going, this is what Kevin O'Leary always used to predict where he was like, there's trillions of dollars that they want to flow into Bitcoin. They're just waiting for regulation and they're waiting for a safe place to do it. This could be kind of the domino that really just starts BTC on its way to even higher than it's ever been before. I don't want to make price predictions or anything like that. We don't do that on this show. I'm just saying this is an important, important piece of news, and it is a huge check mark and thumbs up for Bitcoin. Yeah, no, anytime you see BlackRock involved in anything, uh, you know it's serious news. You know that it's big money involved. Um, the, the leveraging of Bitcoin by BlackRock or any of these major venture funds that are buying up all the houses and turning everybody into renters in this country uh, is a... It's a validating moment for the crypto community, but if you're someone who's a purist of this space, your guard has to be up right now because the, the venture firms are getting into it now. We're seeing a lot of the larger institutional investors. Um, I don't know where it stands with a thing like the Bloomberg Terminal to where you can keep track of these prices, but... The day you're able to trade these on a NASDAQ or a traditional exchange will be a huge day, but a possible death knell for Web3 currency as we know it. And I feel like there's going to be a lot of forces at work to try to keep, much like they say, keep Aspen weird or keep Austin weird, to try to keep crypto to what its initial intent was. I feel like there's a uh, there's an argument for the the soul of this of currency right now, and whether or not they want to go into a space to where it would essentially turn into something that is, you know, very very scrutinized. You know, the the ramifications of this are going to be far spread, and I think that it's a good short term thing, but it's going to create a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty to people as this grows. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you with most of that stuff there, with the exception that Bitcoin is so unique amongst all the cryptos in that, um, you know, it's it's leaderless, it's permissionless. This, I think, I mean, I'm very, very bullish long term on Bitcoin uh, in a whole host of ways. We won't get into that on this podcast, but 
I guess I'll just say that you're right. Black, I mean, BlackRock has a lot of negative things associated with it. We also won't get into that, but let's just put it this way simply. BlackRock does not like to lose money. Uh, neither does Charles Schwab, neither does, neither does Vanguard, JP Morgan, any of those places. So if they're making the decision on it and they're saying, okay, it's a good, we're going, you can be pretty sure that if you're buying Bitcoin and you're holding Bitcoin or you want it as some sort of reserve asset, you're, um, you're probably in the, in the right crowd right now and you're in the right frame of mind. What does this look like five years from now, 10 years from now? Uh, will there be restrictions placed on Bitcoin? Will it be more heavily monitored? And, you know, I can't tell you the answer to that, but there's certainly going to be a lot more money coming into it. It's going to be harder to buy Bitcoin. And the old joke is the time to buy Bitcoin was, you know, five years ago. Next best time is now. Yeah, and we go to our final story today, which also goes into the evolution of the Web3 space. Yuga Labs, the new owners of CryptoPunks and MeBits on Monday, on August 15th, will be allowing owners and holders of CryptoPunks IPs and MeBits IP, uh, assets to utilize their IP in commercial works. But an interesting facet here, Nathan, if you sell it, if you sell your CryptoPunk or you sell your MeBit, you are still able to sell the work or make money off of the work you created surrounding that IP. I think that's a huge weaponization for this space and for this artwork. I think that it's going to create some interesting secondary and tertiary markets in terms of merchandise, in terms of creative art, in terms of IP, in terms of visual projects. We know that Seth Green was developing a show based around his Board Ape NFT, uh, and I don't know whether or not that show is still happening. We saw a trailer for it at VCon a few months ago. He's gotten <laughs> that ape back. Whether or not that show goes from pilot to air is up in the air right now, but I can see that being um, something that lands somewhere at some point. But as we see corporate consolidation hitting the streaming market and things like Batgirl that were hundreds of millions of dollars just completely getting shuttered as a tax write-off. I don't know if we're going to see that show come to light, but this is a big thing for people who want to make art in this community and utilize the assets that are available to them. I can see this as becoming the next action figure in the sense to where these major corporations will buy an NFT or buy something from a valued collection and then my little pony the shit out. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I think Seth Green was supposed to go ahead with that pilot, but uh, breaking news, it's been canceled because the dick butt murders are <laughs> going on ahead of it. Sorry, Seth Green, you've gone from the first slot to, uh, I think we'll give you the fourth, maybe the fifth. Don't worry, we still believe in you. Also, Seth Green's not hurting. I mean, gosh, he's been, how many series has he done for Adult Swim and all that sort of stuff? You got Robot Chicken, you got Family Guy, that's just a smattering. So um, what's interesting about this, I think, is that, you know, because the, uh, the sort of, hacker slash rule breaker in me wants to say, oh, well, if Coca-Cola wanted to utilize the image of a certain board ape or CryptoPunk or whatever, they could just copy the image and use the same pixelation and like make a few modifying details so they could legally say, oh, it's not that. 
But these high-quality, high-value NFTs are getting all sorts of IP, intellectual property protection. So I'm willing to bet that that's not even no, any, uh, that's no longer true. You wouldn't be able to have a Coca-Cola commercial or something like that, pop up this image of a crypto punk or a bored ape and get away with it because you'd be sued by the original owner. And they would say, well, yeah, I own it. How do we know that I own it? Because I have it right here, like on my wallet and it's to me and there's all the metadata around it. So I think that that's totally fascinating. It will most definitely, it will most definitely create a huge secondary and tertiary market for these NFTs. And um, gosh, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but you could say Bored Ape and CryptoPunks, if you didn't think that they were mainstream already, they're mainstream now. Completely agree. And as we head to the end of this edition of BitMart Bites, you can as always watch every episode of BitMart Bites absolutely free on the BitMart YouTube channel. And if you're watching the video version of this, come on, hit the subscribe button, ring the notifications bell so you know when new issues of the BitMart Bites drop. They drop every single Friday within uh, a specific time frame that only we know because, well, that's just how we roll. But if you want to listen to the audio version of this or any other podcast, you can go to the go to uh, search on your favorite podcast platform, Bitmark, uh, either NFT 101 or the Crypto Conversations. You can rate, review, and subscribe at any given time. And we want you to join us. Let us know what's going on in the comments. You can follow Nathan at CryptoNathan76. You see it right there on the screen. You can follow him there at CryptoNathan76. You got, yeah, there you go. There you go, buddy. You can follow me at Matt Ryan Yells, but always follow Bitmark Exchange. All of our information are in the show notes. Nathan, anything before we go home? No, I oh. think I just, <laughs> I think that I just wanted to say, yeah, please listen to our podcast, NFT 101 and Crypto Conversations, available wherever you get podcasts. Of course, Matt, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, get your comments on these topics. You claim that you're a neophyte. You claim that you're new to this, but sometimes when I talk to you and get your opinion, you, you sound like an old timer in a good way. You sound like you've been through the ringer with the experience. And when I listen to the audio versions of these, because um, I don't watch a tremendous amount of videos, even I learned something. I listened back and I learned something from what I said and from what you said. So I just think that these are valuable and they point out stuff that otherwise there's so much news, not even just crypto news. There's so much news that it's always helpful when somebody curates, highlights, and gives you a good commentary on stuff. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Otherwise, otherwise, we are done with this episode of Bitmart Bites. It's number four. We're calling it four for more. Hit the floor, roll it up in a rug, out the door. We're done. Hello to everybody out there in crypto land. Did you enjoy that conversation? I know that I did. It's always interesting to learn more about crypto projects, NFTs, and what is going on in this very unique industry. But now we've got to get some legal stuff out of the way, all right? It's just the way that it is. So I wanted to let you know that all opinions and actions expressed and undertaken by the hosts and guests are individual opinions and actions and do not reflect the views and actions of Bitmart. Bitmart does not guarantee the accuracy, applicability, reliability, integrity, performance, completeness, or appropriateness of this content. The value of digital currencies can go up or down, and there can be a substantial risk in buying, selling, holding, or investing in digital currencies. You should carefully consider whether trading or holding digital currencies is suitable for you based on your personal investment objectives, financial circumstances, and risk tolerance. Bitmart does not provide investment, tax, or legal advice. 
use of BitMart services is entirely at your own risk.